Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Well, I saw those win totals for the 2023 college football season. Washington, nine and a half wins over or under. Oregon Ducks, nine. Oregon State, eight and a half. Utah, eight and a half. USC, nine and a half. Colorado, four and a half. Cal's at three. Tempted to take the over there. Maybe I should pump the brakes. Maybe I'm just excited that we're closing in on spring practice. Couple weeks away, Oregon State will start. Oregon will be right after them. There's spring games coming up uh, later in March. I believe uh, it's like the 22nd for Oregon State, maybe the 29th for Oregon. Here to talk about it. It's never too soon to talk college football. Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor, joining us now. Will you cover spring football wire to wire, or what's your plan with the I-5 Corridor? Yeah, you know, it's uh, spring football is obviously like a good time for us because it's it's one of the few times of the year outside of the season where you can get player access and talk to coaches. And you know, with the, with the quarter, we don't cover it so much day to day as as maybe at other places. But it's it's a really good time to kind of dive in and, and sink your teeth into some player and coach fe- features. And you know, if you're looking at both sides of uh, uh, the rivalry here, uh, there's some pretty darn good new additions on on both sides of the team. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to spring football, especially considering it's all snowy outside, man. Like, just just get me to spring, John. <laughs> yeah, did you get stuck in the snow? Like, were you one of those people driving yesterday, stuck for like five hours on the freeway, or where were you when it started coming down? Yeah, so yesterday was the first day in probably two months that I decided to go down to Eugene. Uh, I'm working on a uh, on a spree. I had an interview with Bo Nix for about 45 mm. minutes, and it was a great nice. it was a great interview. No snow at all on the way down, and then right around the Terwilliger exits, I hit I hit the worst of it, and I was I was stuck in my car from 4:30 to, until I didn't get home until 1 a.m. this morning. Um, what? So wait was, a minute. Uh, it was it was pretty good. You were you were stuck for eight and a half hours on yeah. i5 just trying to get home yeah so i was i was like in in the very left lane like right before like it kind of splits to the 405 like i5 exit and it was just complete gridlock of semis of buses of like people who had ditched their cars and already taken off and left and uh luckily this is one of the few times that i actually had a full tank of gas so i was just kind of <laughs> chilling in my car i was listening to the the, the, the last half of your radio show it was thank uh, you it was a swell afternoon <laughs> you didn't call in you should have called in when i said are you stuck in the snow uh but tyson halter i5 corridor covering the i5 corridor yesterday for eight and a half hours in his car um let me ask you you know you talk with bo Nix fascinated to read what you write uh i know that you will uh don't want to give away everything here but what was your takeaway from that conversation with Nick's? Is do you feel like it will be a Heisman-like season for him? What you know? How different is this kid from maybe a year ago when you had conversations with him? 
Yeah, both both a fascinating a fascinating guy. This is the first time that I've gotten like an extended kind of one on one with him. And you know, the thing that I kind of noticed right, right away is like th- this is a guy who, for the most part, tries to plan for everything. He he likes to have his entire day scheduled out. He gets uh, uneasy with free time. Like if he's kind of met with like a two hour window where where there's nothing on the schedule like that, that kind of bothers him. And that just makes this whole situation that much more interesting because not even he expected to really be in Oregon, in Eugene, Oregon in February of 2023. I mean, last year, you know, I I think everyone kind of, he came in with like the best case scenario in his head of like, Hey, like this might be a one and done type of thing. Um, His, his fiance then wife didn't even move out to Oregon until he had already been here for six months. Like it just kind of seems like it was going to be a pit stop thing. Um, But now like, you know, he, he's been here for over a year. He had that excellent season last year. And obviously there are other things that go into, like, a guy staying for a year. You know, NIL is a thing. Uh, improving on your draft stock is a thing. But, like, the, the way he was talking about kind of learning about the rivalry rivalry with Washington and kind of the pit in his stomach after the Oregon State loss, like, like this is a guy who I know it's a cliche to say unfinished business and all that sort of thing. But, like, I, I think he's incredibly motivated and he's incredibly confident because – one of the things I asked him yesterday too is just like, you know, did you foresee having last year's season? And like, before I could even get the question out, he's like, yes. Like, he's just that uber confident in himself, and like, won't ever really allow himself to to have any sort of kind of negative self talk. Did he did he talk about what the injury was? Do we know? Like, was it an ankle? Was it a foot? Was it you know the metatarsal? I don't know what it was. He 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 was he was being a little. Well, lower body. It was kind of like uh, interviewing a hockey player. It was a lower body injury. <laughs> he, he didn't really want to get too too, too okay, far narrows into it down. that. But that narrows it down. Uh, but but one of the things he did say though is you know a big goal for him this off season is he is trying to put on more weight, especially his lower half. Um, he he really thought that showcasing what he could do on the ground last year as as uh, was is a, you know we all saw it was a pretty great weapon. And he just wants to be stronger in that, and he wants to be able to kind of take and absorb more hits. Because you know, like Bo Nix is a great athlete, but you know, if you're thinking about some of the like the the really pounding type of uh, running quarterbacks, like even an Oregon War, like if you look back to Jeremiah Masoli, uh, that guy was a little bit thicker than Bo. So I, I think uh, I think we'll see a little bit of uh, a little bit of a heavier Bo going into next season. But the kind of the balance he's trying to find is still kind of having. Uh, that flexibility and range and everything with his top half to to go along with uh, adding some some muscle to the legs. Meanwhile, at Oregon State, this is a team on the board right now at the sports book in Vegas. You can Oregon State's win total for next season is eight and a half. Um, you know that's a that's a sign of respect that you know you're basically betting is this a nine win team and they're coming off a ten win season. How much of a of an impact can DJ Uyunglele make? In for a Jonathan Smith team, yeah, I think he can make all all the difference. Like I, I would take the over there. I, I think I think Oregon State will be right in the mix for the Pac-12 title this season. Uh, I all season on the corridor was just writing that if if Oregon State actually had a uh, even serviceable quarterback last season, like they legitimately could have been in the conversation for the playoff. And so uh, to get a guy like DJ in, who you know had his ups and downs at Clemson, but is uh, incredibly physically gifted quarterback um who is motivated um i'm really looking forward to see what like jonathan smith can can dial up with that guy because he just really you know there, there's been a couple decent quarterbacks during the smith era like Tristan Tristan gebbio is all right uh or sorry uh, luton was okay 
Um, but they've never had an athlete like this on offense where, I mean, it was just three years ago. Uh, I was down at St. John Bosco uh, waiting to interview uh, DJ, and it was just a lineup of coaches who were coming out there. I ran into Chip Kelly in the hallway. Uh, I, I think uh, Clemson had just been there. I mean, like everybody wanted this kid, including Oregon, um, and I, I think he still has a lot left in the tank. Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor, is with us. I want to just ask you, let's let's go down the list. Washington at nine and a half wins. You already said you'd take the over on Oregon State at eight and a half. What do you do with the Huskies at nine and a half? Are they a 10-win team again? Uh, I want to take the under there. And it's, it's not because I don't think Washington's going to be really good. I just think that they, you know, they beat uh, – they beat Oregon and Oregon State last year on kind of last possessions of both games. The, the Oregon game was last possession, and the Oregon State game, it was just, you know, that was a, a winnable game for the Beavers up in Seattle. I, I think the Pac-12 North is just too strong this year, and I think one of these games has to kind of take take a step back. And, you know, 11 wins last year for Washington was pretty darn incredible. Uh, Michael Penix is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, but they had a lot of stuff bounce their way last year, so... Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're above that that, that total, but I'm, I'm going to take the under for them this year. Uh, let's move to the Ducks. They're sitting at uh, at nine as they're over under. Uh, basically, are they an eight win team, a nine win team, a ten win team? How do you see Dan Lanning in year two? I, I think that nine is kind of right in the sweet spot. I, I, I know that's cheating for the over and under, but no. Uh, I, 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 re, I really like that, that Bo is coming back. I think Bucky Irving is one of the most underrated running backs in the country. Uh, they are losing some pieces to that offensive line, but I, I you know with Troy Franklin coming back at wide receiver, Terrence Ferguson at tight end, I really, really, really like the makeup of the Ducks offensively. Uh, the big question of you know whether or not they can get over and propel them into a potential playoff contention is can Dan Lanning create a defense that resembles a, a damn landing defense that Oregon hired him for. I mean, last year was just a disaster on that side of the ball. They weren't able to generate any pressure in the front seven, and now they're losing um, on the back end. They're losing Christian Gonzalez, who's going to be a, a, a top, maybe a top ten pick in the NFL draft. Like, they're losing some good players on that end, Noah Sula as well. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions in the air for that team on that side of the ball, but I, I think we'll see an improvement, though, because I just I can't imagine that last year defensively sat well with Lanning. And I, I know he's the head coach now, and he has to look over the whole team. But like that's that's kind of his baby, and and it was it was ugly. <laughs> yeah, what do you make of that? Because I was that was to me the most puzzling thing of their season. It was Lanning's defense not looking like he had his hands on it. Tosh Lapoy is the coordinator, but we know Dan Lanning is a defensive-minded head coach. That's kind of where his area of expertise is. Did, do you think Dan Lanning at some point last season rolled his sleeves up, got more involved? I suspected in the Utah game he might have been more involved. There was more, It seemed to be more vocal in the sideline. But I, it really puzzled me that they just didn't have an identity on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and and I, you know, it, it's always kind of hard to get out of them, kind of like you know how, who, who's calling what and, and how much input is this. But you know, I think I think Dan Lanning is a better defensive mind than Tosh, and, and that's no disrespect to Tosh, but you know that that guy was brought in for his recruiting recruiting abilities, which he's very 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 good at. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, yeah, man, like it it. It, it, it'll it'll be fascinating this year to, to, to see what happens with them on that side. 
Yeah, and, and look, I, I also think that this is a conference now, you know, it'll be USC and UCLA's final year as members of the conference. I, I would really like to see, uh, you know, somebody, as Utah did a year ago, somebody not named USC and UCLA end up in the conference title game. Do you have a way too early Tyson Alger I-5 corridor prediction for who plays in Vegas at the end of next season? We're going to have Oregon State coming out of the north, and unfortunately I think just USC has too much talent on that offense to not come out of the south. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is just like a super randomly great year for Chip down at UCLA. Like, Dante Moore is the real deal, man, and I, I think he could be a, a stud as a true freshman. But uh, I, I kind of love the, the prospect of the matchup of uh, the underdog Beavers going up against uh, the, uh, the mighty USC Trojans who are about to ditch the Pac-12 conference. And I, I think, that, you know, I think everyone in the Pac-12 would probably be pulling for Oregon State on that end, but that would be a heck of a matchup to watch. Love to see that. Love to see Oregon and Oregon State, too, uh, in a – Civil War rematch a week later in Vegas could happen without divisions. Tyson Alger, uh, you can read him at i5corridor.com. I appreciate you. Uh, when is the Bonex piece coming out? So people who subscribe now, when will they uh, expect to get that in their email inbox? Yeah, it'll be it'll be in people's inboxes Monday morning. Okay, so between now and Sunday night, go to i5corridor.com, get a subscription, read about Bonex. Tyson Alger, thank you. Hey, thank you so much, John. You bet. There he goes. Win totals, Stephen. We got to kick this around. Love it. You yeah. got never. You got too early, man. Yeah, Washington at nine and a half. Uh, over or under? I'd have to go under on that one. Um, I do like Washington, but I do think you know. I think Tyson said this as well. Like they kind of overachieved a little bit, got a little lucky in some of the games. Um, I do like Michael Penix coming back, but to expect them to get ten wins, I think that's a little too rich. Oregon at nine feels like it's on the money. I think that that line is really nicely positioned. I, I actually think uh, they could go nine and a half there. I mean, but you're really saying can they go to can they get to ten wins? I think Oregon can get to ten wins, but I need to see the defense in the spring. I need to see that, uh, especially the front seven on the defense will have some kind of identity. They just they had no identity last year, and Bo Nix can carry you, and Michael Penix can carry you, but if Washington and Oregon don't play defense. Uh, they'll leave some wins out there. How about Oregon State at eight and a half? Well, real quick about Oregon, I wanted to yeah. add this, John. They played Texas Tech in in Lubbock week two. If they can get by that game, they should be five and zero when they take on Washington and Seattle. So I think for me, nine is a perfect number, but I would lean over on that because it's because I think the easy part of the schedule is at the start of the year for Oregon State. I think it's over, and I you know I have, I was kind of down on Oregon State last year, and they they overachieved in my mind, but. I have no reason to doubt these guys. And with DJU coming in, I like Jonathan Smith, what he can do. I think he's going to provide DJU with some consistency on the offense side, not put too much on him with Damian Martinez in the backfield. I think Oregon State, you know, we've talked about this. They were a quarterback away last season. This really seems like a year, you know, a team that can get to 9, 10 victories and in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, and look, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see these teams during the season, but we're going to be all over it really starting in a week or 10 days from now as spring football ratchets up. And I've asked Oregon State because Oregon State starts before Oregon. We'd like to get Jonathan Smith on this show next week. Let's start talking football. I mean, I'm ready for that. Anna's going to pop in the studio. We have so much to talk about. Uh, Why don't you hear for it? Leave it here. 
We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.